Welcome to Innovation Alchemy with the Adams. I'm Adam Fry. And I'm Adam Castle. And today we had the pleasure of interviewing one of our Scale Up 5 members from cohort six of our award-winning Scale Up Accelerator program powered by Libro Credit Union in partnership with Invest Windsor Essex. That's right. This is just one conversation in the series where we're going to be talking with all of our Scale Ups from this year's cohort about who they are, how they exist, and what they started to create with their business. Enjoy. Welcome to Innovation Alchemy. I'm Adam Castle, and I'm joined today with our Manager of Programs and Client Engagement, Susie Kustra, for a very special episode in this series interviewing all of our Scale-Up members for the 2022 Scale-Up Annual Accelerator Program. Welcome both of you, Scott and Susie. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Fantastic. And so today we're joined by uh, with Scott Fairley, CEO of Optimotive Industries. Optimotive is an incredible robotics company that we cannot wait to hear more about. We're going to jump right in. So Scott, we've got our first question for you from Susie. So Scott, why don't you tell us about your entrepreneurial journey? What kind of history and skills are you bringing from your past experiences? And what did, tell us about your current venture? For sure. Yeah. No, thank you very much for the question. So uh, my entrepreneurial journey is one that started very much early uh, in my career. So um, I was always an individual who liked to go out and start things and try new ideas and um, had the fortune of uh, building some startups uh, early high school uh, in the technology space surrounding cameras. So we were doing things like... uh, uh, computer vision for uh, security cameras and things of that nature. So I uh, always kind of had that entrepreneurial spirits. And uh, based on the learnings uh, from that, we then went out and started uh, the company that I'm working on today, which is Optimotive Technologies. Uh, we're a Windsor company that's working on uh, robotic platforms for customers in what we like to describe as muddy, dusty, or otherwise unpredictable environments. And uh, I'm a firm believer that um, in order to be successful, you have to try and fail and continuously iterate uh, throughout that process. And uh, from past learnings and just experimentation, uh, we were able to to bring it forward to uh, to where we are today with Optimotive. Very cool. Now, Scott, I'm actually excited to get to interview you. I've known you now for seven years. It's been a journey. Yeah. So, and where we started with Optimotive is not where we are today. Absolutely the, the journey has been incredible and you really sort of pivoted into that. Okay. Tell me a little bit about what that current iteration of Optimotive looks like and how is it different from where you started? Absolutely. So when we started Optimotive, we were really focused on autonomous vehicle technologies in inclement weather conditions. So rain, snow, sleet, mud, and those types of situations. Um, we were building technologies um, that it would have ended up being small features and additions to uh, autonomous vehicle systems. And we always were individuals who like to go out and build um, platforms to be able to test our technologies on. So obviously, as younger individuals, we didn't have the uh, ability to go out and purchase full-size vehicles to retrofit and build. So we started with whatever we could. And the cheapest possible option that we had was a golf cart. So we went out and purchased um, some used golf carts from uh, from local golf courses and <laughs> hacked them together and built little prototypes. So we used those as the underpinnings to test the theories based around the inclement weather conditions. And we had the fundamental realization that what we wanted to be building as a company wasn't small feature sets and what we had built actually had greater implications than we had originally realized. And I think that's the case with anybody who's going out and building something. The initial concept uh, always morphs into something uh, more meaningful. And that was definitely the case with us. So we built these small scale platforms that were really, really good at handling these types of inclement weather conditions. And we started looking critically at what we'd built and we realized we'd built a pretty compelling package uh, that could handle these types of extreme environments quite effectively, uh, better than some of the other options in the robotics space. 
space uh, that was out there. So it was never the the end goal to be producing robots. Uh, but based off of the research and the learnings from that, we, we realized we had a compelling package and started to evaluate a, a potential business case of, can we use those little robots to go and perform tasks oh, for, cool. for customers operating? And, and like I said, those muddy, dusty, or otherwise unpredictable environments and using the underpinnings and the technologies for the snow and everything, uh, you'll find a lot of similarities in the operations. Um, we started talking to construction customers, mining customers, oil and gas customers, and had amazing reception and realized that, wow, we had uh, stumbled into quite a compelling business case with some pretty amazing technologies. That's awesome. And so, you know, it sounds like you you sort of created this robust robot test bed yep. and it turned into the product. Absolutely. Which is, uh, because yeah, which by is, its very nature, it was it was resistant to all of these harsh weather conditions. For sure. For sure. And it was, yeah, it was designed from the onset to give us the best possible platform at a cost point that we as broke kids could go out and afford to build. Uh, and in doing so, we built a low cost, robust platform that could enter these types of environments with a high degree of efficiency um, and a high degree of capabilities that, again, no other um customers are, uh, had seen, uh, especially at the price point that we were offering at. So um, I wouldn't necessarily call it luck per se, but we definitely stumbled into it in that context. And uh, I'm thankful that we, we were able to find such a compelling business case that um, had so much fulfillment and excitement uh, in the industries that we're working in. Whenever we're deploying our, our robots for context of those listeners, um, we have these small scale robots that are based on ATV chassis. And whenever we're deploying them to go and perform tasks for customers, uh, just the level of excitement of seeing our little robot and what we built and the excitement to hear about what tasks it's out of performing um, is, is humbling. And it's one of those things that's through iteration and through um, trying an experimentation, uh, we, we really uh, we really f- fell into something. So cool. So so take a minute with me and, and niche down because that's what this is all about. Yeah. Tell me about those customers. What, what are the problems that you're actually solving with these incredible little robots? Yeah, so... The way that we structure our robots is we use them as a service for customers operating in those really gross environments. So uh, the typical profile of a customer is construction customers, um, companies that are building large infrastructure projects. Um, so we found that there was a, a fundamental lack of automation potential with those companies, given that they didn't have affordable tools that they could put on every single one of their job sites. So in doing the customer interview process and talking to construction customers, we found that uh, we could go ahead and perform tasks for these customers, specifically surrounding data collection. So comp- customers were spell- spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on equipment and tens of thousands of man hours every single year running around on construction sites and mining sites, collecting different types of data. The data that's collected depends on the customer case, but it can be things like 3D scanning, 360 photos, and sometimes in some context, inspection of uh, specific tools and equipment. Um, So we had that realization that we could attach things to the back of our robots to be able to go and perform these as a service and provide them back to the customer. To to give you context as far as the actual customers themselves and what is the typical profile of them, it's typically top of markets, multi-billion dollar construction firms, think the top 10 in Canada and the United States. Uh, that's, that's typically the, the type of company that's been receptive uh, to what we built um, because they both have the R&D budgets as well as the ability to experiment and, and try new things. We're very, very cool. early in our service offering. And by working with some of those top customers, it allows us to refine and build out our platform so that we can make it more relevant and as polished as possible for those downstream and the market side of things. So they can provide us with that those meaningful insights to iterate on our products and make them uh, the best little robots they can be to go out and perform data collection tasks. That's awesome. So, you know, you've got these platforms, you sort of, you start moving them into market and you start working with customers and you start 
iterating and iterating on what they can do and what they're able to perform uh, as and and the roles that they can play. Mm-hmm. That to me sounds like a masterclass in sort of lean startup methodology right there. Uh, right. That build, measure, learn loop is strong with Optimotive. It which needs is, to be. Yeah. I think it needs to be, especially in the context of what we're building. I mean, um, when you look at how previous companies might have run in the past, it's very much build out this product, spend tens of years building it. For example, like Boston Dynamics with Spot or something of those different types of robots that you could argue to be a competitor. Um, they would spend all this time on R&D and then get it out in the field versus on our side of things we feel it needs to be a continuous iteration process uh, to be able to build out faster and more effectively than those uh, competitors might be able to given that they're adopting more of a traditional uh, research development method so awesome so Scott, why now? What drove you to join the Scala program? Yeah, so the Scala program was interesting uh, on our side of things just to validate the methods that we thought we knew. Um, being entrenched in this type of a business for as long as we have, to, to give you context, we've been running Optimotive since 2016. Um, there's a lot of self-learning involved in that. Uh, I'm somebody that comes from a, a background of being completely self-taught uh, in this nature. Mm-hmm. So the scale program was interesting to us to kind of test our methods and test um, and act as a benchmark to ensure that we're following the best possible practices on the sales cycle side of things, on customer relations side of things, and all the different things that we've learned throughout this program. Um, it really provided that benchmark opportunity for us. And uh, to the question of why specifically now versus other scale-up programs and why it was relevant uh, for us today um, is because we're at that exciting period where we have started to deploy with customers. We've recently taken on funding. Um, so it was critical that for us to be able to build out the fundamentals of what I know this multi-billion dollar company can become at some point in time, hopefully. Um, it was important to do it now in as early days as possible um, and having that framework from the scale-up program to allow us to, to move forward and scale the company effectively. Um, one of the things that you see very common in startups and the number one reason why most businesses fail is the inability to scale um, and effectively managing opportunities that come your way. So uh, as we're starting to take on more and more opportunities and get more excitement from our customers, I think it's a critical element that we uh, we test those methods and ensure everything is as rock solid as possible and um, enlarge that as made possible throughout the scale-up program. For sure. And I know you've also gotten really discerning in terms of the yeses that you're giving out to those opportunities. You, you don't jump at every opportunity no, anymore because you understand that that's not a, a way to grow it either, right? Absolutely, right? And if you're taking on every single possible opportunity, obviously uh, on our side of things for context, there's of course research and development that comes into it. There's different customer requirements, different customer needs. And we're fortunate enough to say that we've had opportunities pop up all across North America. I mean, we've had discussions of deployments in Texas. We just came back from deployments in Alberta. Uh, so all of the different bouncing around and the R&D requirements of every single uh, customer that comes in with these early uh, iterations um, can bog us down. So it's, it's about taking those, those ripe opportunities that uh, fulfill our needs to the best of our ability to really uh, be measured in our objectives as far as, uh, as how we're scaling the company side of things. Um, and if you don't do that and you just take every single possible opportunity, you're going to get swamped um, and end up slowing down. And again, this was a, a lesson that we had to learn the hard way. This wasn't something that uh, we just knew from the onset that this was the right way to do things. It was an, an iterative process that uh, we had to learn the hard way and lose customers and lose opportunities because we weren't effectively managing things. Um, so on our side of things, it's it's critical to have that iteration, not only in the research and development side of things, but also uh, from a business side of things to be able to uh, to learn and adapt as quickly as possible and, and learn from those failures and take the best possible opportunities to hit those objectives. Nice. I'm curious, Scott, Windsor, Essex, we are now in the center of automobility in Canada and, and some would argue North America as well. We've got a ton of activity going on here. A new beautiful battery plant, Canada's first gigafactory coming down the pipe. What does that mean for a company like yours that plays sort of automobility adjacent? Yeah. So I think one of the critical elements that's important uh, in the story of Windsor is not just to be manufacturing.
manufacturing town, but also look at the innovation side of things. I think we have a, a well-seasoned history and a well-documented history of building really uh, great products from a manufacturing perspective, but we always lack that R&D capability. So where it's exciting for a company like Optimotive is that we're bringing that R&D to the table and actually providing new and innovative solutions to be able to, to scale them up and, and build out some amazing little robots. But uh, a lot of companies that necessarily weren't starting with such uh, a city that's so heavy in the manufacturing side of things, as you scale up, uh, it's one thing to build a prototype, but as Elon always says, it's like, how do you go out and build millions of them, right? Yeah. Um, and I think that's one of the things that is interesting to us from the Windsor perspective is that we have that critical talent here in Windsor. We have the battery capabilities. We have uh, all the different manufacturing hubs. We have uh, well-seasoned history in the mold-making industry. Um, so as far as getting us away from just prototypes and actual full-scale production, uh, it allows us to grow into that effectively. So while it was a little challenging to start, uh, I would say to get to that growth point, once that growth point is hit, we have all the infrastructure and all the capabilities, both geographically and locally, um, from a manufacturing perspective. And we're right on the border with Detroit. So it's it's exciting to be able to launch into the United States as a potential market. You get all the benefits of being a Canadian company with Canadian government support and things of that nature, um, including WeTech Alliance, of course. Um, <laughs> it's a small plug. Um, including WeTech Alliance and all of those different, uh, those different organizations. So uh, regionally, I think we're primed to be in a very good position, but I think we really need that breakthrough company to be able to, to prove the model works and mm -hmm. whether it's us whether it's somebody else in the scale up program or whether it's a company that hasn't been started somebody has to go out and do it i selfishly obviously believe <laughs> optimotive can be that company of course, yeah. um, but that being said i think uh the the stepping stones are there and the tools are there it's just about we need somebody to go and make that breakthrough company uh, that becomes hopefully a unicorn one day um and provides global impact and is not just on the manufacturing side of things and i think um it's only a matter of time at this point in time the infrastructure is there the stepping stones are there it's just about the the persistent side of things and, and making it happen to to really project Windsor as the automobility capital of, of the world. Very cool. I'm interested, Scott, what are some of your favorite books or podcasts or tools that have helped you in your journey as an entrepreneur? And what do you think other entrepreneurs might learn from some of those tools? The most cliche answer is the internet, right? Like uh, the amount of things that you can learn online uh, as an entrepreneur is truly staggering. Um, I'm a fundamental believer that uh, school doesn't necessarily always have to be the path forward and that as an entrepreneur, you're provided with every single possible tool and piece of advice you could possibly use using the internet. It's crazy. I know it's the cliche thing, um, but as far as the ability to learn and research just using internet tools, I think is, is the critical element to, to success. Um, as far as like specific bo uh, books and podcasts, I don't really have like one breakthrough that has like fundamentally changed our business but it's just a collective right uh, of learning from different insights and things like that I, I like like the all-in podcast by Jason Kalikanakis and um, uh, yeah there's, there's a few different uh, different ones out there but I think it's really that uh, ability to cast a wide net and, and use the available tools to even something as dumb as Twitter like if you're just like on Twitter following venture capitalists or following Twitter's got a ton um, of really great threads to yeah, read through exactly actually. like it's crazy like I was just looking at one the other day it's like oh I'm a startup founder that just raised 30 million dollars off a, off a seed and here's how I went and did it and like all those tools are readily available to you and it literally is one Google search away. So um, I don't think there's any one breakthrough tool that uh, is going to make or break your startup, but having that ability to, to take in from multiple sources, things like Reddit, things like Twitter, um, effectively using LinkedIn, things of that nature. Uh, I think those are all tools that any entrepreneur can quickly Google for free. It doesn't cost you anything uh, to be able to go out and build a successful business. And uh, I think people just discredit it and think like it's too easy. But if you literally just start Googling things and asking the, the right questions and framing your questions correctly, uh, you can find threads on just about anything uh, anything you need.
That's awesome. Well, Scott, thank you so much for spending some time with us today and best of luck in your journey in bringing robots to the masses and solving all of those human problems on job sites where people don't want to do the the hard work, the laborious work that your robots can and, and will readily do. So uh, good luck to you. Absolutely. Thank you very much for the opportunity. I'm looking forward to working with Vitek. Fantastic. What a great episode. I think we learned so many interesting things there. Susie, I know you're new to our team, but I'm interested. You know, you're, you're seeing all these new tech companies. What have you sort of learned in the last little bit about, about what tech looks like in Windsor, Essex? Wow, so much. I mean, I think Scott is just a perfect example of what's coming up in Windsor, Essex. He is in the right place at the right time with the right product. And he's so impressive, just himself, just hearing him talk. And he's so passionate about his business and the area. And you could just see that, you know, this is a rising star. I really think that 10 years from now, we're going to be saying, wow, we we knew him. Remember that interview we did with him back when, you know, he was just starting off. So I think he's just he's definitely one to watch for. For sure. You know, having seen his journey over the last, you know, seven years now, it's amazing to see how many different things they've tried on to make work and and what they've sort of gone, the lengths they've gone to in order to find a fit for their product. It's been it's been really inspiring. So um, it's interesting. And I hope that, uh, that anyone out there listening, if they want more information uh, about the resources that Scott was talking about through this episode, uh, or you want to hear the other scale-ups talk uh, through their episodes as well, uh, there's a place we can send you to for it. Uh, so uh, where are they going to head there, Susie, if they're looking for more info? They can go to wetech-alliance.com slash podcast. To learn more about the Scale-Up program, head to wetech-alliance.com slash scale-up. And that's it for this episode of Innovation Alchemy. My name is Adam Castle. And I'm Susie Kustra. And we'll see you on the next one. To learn more about the Scale-Up program or the other companies, oh, no, it, that doesn't sound good. <laughs> oh, so I love it. I love it. No, this is the best part. This is where the I gold just, comes. All the outtakes. Yeah. The, yeah. You'll play at the Christmas party. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Okay. To learn more about the Scale-Up program or how you can become involved in the program, head to wetech-alliance.com slash scale-up. It wasn't great. No, and we'll, no it's perfect. So, so we'll sign it off and we'll say, so from Innovation Alchemy, I'm Adam Castle, and you can say I'm Susie Kustra, and until next time, kind of thing. All right, and for Innovation Alchemy, my name is Adam Castle. And I'm Susie Kustra. And we'll hear you on the next one. No, we'll hear you. What is wrong with me? You caught we'll my bug. You. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>